Alright, well, here we are, we're on another Green Room co- Podcast. And Episode 11. 11, we've done 11 of these so far, so if you haven't checked them out, you can always go backwards and take a look at, at some of the content we've covered. We've covered all kinds of things. What's the best way for people to do that? By the way, who are we? Who are we? Well, this is Compass Church, mm-hmm. and with me here is our illustrious, you like to use that word, it's a good word. Lead pastor, Pastor Tim Jacobs, and I am Gabe Legaspi, the worship pastor here at Compass Church. And we An awesome are, guy. We are doing the Green Room Podcast where we just, we, we, we go. We talk about all kinds of things, mm-hmm. theological issues, uh, current series. Sometimes we answer questions, all kinds of good stuff. But if they want to go, if you want to see or, or go back to previous podcasts, go to compasschurchaz.com, go to the sermons page. Yep. And you can kind of, because we, we're parking them there right now while right. we're kind of building our podcast page. It's good. We'll have all of them there. But you should be able to see them kind of interspersed within the various different messages that we do um, on any given weekend. That's right. So. And eventually, the goal is we're going to have it as a separate thing. So you can, you can just catch up on those if you want. You can get the sermons if you want. So yeah. they'll all be right there kind of we're getting neatly there. separated. We're getting there. And it's, it's going to be good stuff. So here we are. We just closed out our strength through adversity series. We did. And uh, really good series going through First Peter, um, some really applicable content as we're talking about um, building perseverance. We've talked about perseverance mm-hmm. in, in all kinds of things ranging from, uh, you know, just kind of going through life. Um, even in this podcast, we've talked about things like marriage and, and things like that. So what are some of the big highlights that we can recap from the series as we, we close it out? Well, and as we talk about this too, I want to let people know if you want to comment on, if you hop on, you want to ask a question or post a comment, we'll be trying to read those um, intermittently throughout the, the podcast. But really what this was about was how do we become stronger people, not just enduring something and you know, getting through and then being beat up at the end, but right. actually letting this challenging part of life, whatever that might be, make you stronger in the end? Is it possible? Because, and that's why we kind of related it to physical stuff. Because, you know, the only way to get stronger is to put your body into some form of resistance where you have to, you, you feel tired and you feel worn out, but your body is recouping and recovering and it's really adapting to that resistance. And so can your soul do the same thing? Can you, can you walk with God in such a way that these things at first they may rattle you a lot, but they're, but they're not rattling you as much anymore, or you've learned how to live with this kind of toughness in your soul. And so we, and, but it filters into every area of life. So that's why we talked about marriage. And what does marriage really look like? Because marriage is the backbone of everything. In fact, before even there was a society, there was marriage. Marriage is the very first social construct in all of human history. It's the very first thing. And it's really wired into nature. And so that, when, when, when marriages are strong, even with uh, encountering resistance, that has a massive effect, not only to strengthen the people who are um, around it, like the children and the spouses themselves right. and the other relatives, but actually um, it pushes you forward because it provides that strength. And then people outside the church 
can see, man, even through difficult times, there's beauty, there's love, there's this amazing way that a man and a woman are able to, to bring out the very best in each other. Is there design here? You know, is there a purpose? And, and really the other part of it too is dealing with um, how do we become a church? Can the church be this strong, amazing, beautiful place that captivates people and that captivates outsiders? And that's so important, Gabe, because so often the church is, is looked at, um, uh, in fact, we were just talking about it in staff meeting today, how we try to invite people to church sometimes and they go, man, I don't want to go because their church experience is so bad because they were legalistic or it was boring or it was mean-spirited or it was just old and unfriendly and it was cliquish and all these kinds of things. So how do we create a church um, that, that people can come to and go, man, there's something alive here. There's something real. So the church has to adapt, mm-hmm. not to the culture, but to the gospel. When the church adapts to the gospel, and then so in 1 Peter, some of these key lines, like he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Well, Gabe, that has huge implications because most people think that if I go to church, I'm going to be reminded of how bad I am and what I have to do to reverse it. Which isn't the gospel. Which isn't the gospel. Sure. The gospel is, you, 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 no one needs to tell you you're bad. You, you know, and you might have pride or whatever else, but we all know we've got stuff in the, in, the, you know, in the recesses of our minds, and we know we've got issues in our lives. But the good news is, is that Jesus takes those things, he pays for them, and sets us free. So we don't wallow in that stuff. We don't live. Oftentimes, it's the, it's the world outside that tends to punish itself over and over and over for, for the bad things. We don't do that. We celebrate the gospel. Gospel. And the church that celebrates the gospel is a church that's going to be able to endure difficult times. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, you think about the context what's, of First uh, Peter. We like to take things with scripture and kind of like just take them out of context sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a, you know, you think of the, like the Philippians verse, where I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we, we, we see it on like basketball shoes and things like that. That doesn't mean you're going to win the NBA championship. Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea is that you can endure all things through Christ who strengthens you. And really the context is you can be, you have the ability to be content in any and every situation. Right. That's really the context of it. So in almost some, some ways is, is the opposite meaning because people think, well, I can overcome this scenario. Well, maybe, maybe you can't, right. but can you, in this scenario, can you be content? Can you have peace? Can you have joy even in the, in the difficult time? That's right. Yeah, you think of First Peter, and just to recap what, what it's about, you know, Peter is writing, and they're kind of like in the, the beginning phase of when persecution is starting to happen. It's mm-hmm. going to get real bad, like very bad to where they're going to be hunted down and things like that, but it's, it's not there yet. But this is right. kind of his encouragement, and eventually, I think two years after we've dated the date of First uh, Peter, he's in jail, and mm-hmm. it's, it gets worse from there for him as well. So he he means these things. Uh, it's not like when we say, "Hey, you can endure it." You know, it's get through Wednesday. It's Hump Day. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's something deeper than that. Like uh, the things that try to beat the faith out of you, uh, persevere through them because it's going to make you stronger. It's going to it's going to increase your life and increase your purpose and things like that. Absolutely. And it's so, it's so deep because it, it moves, again, it moves beyond just trying to, to think or believe your way into something better. Mm-hmm. It's more of like, I'm really going to embrace the gospel 
and the implications of the gospel. What does it mean that, that I've really been set free? What does it mean that I'm a child of God? What does it mean that, that as it says in Romans, that, no, that there's nothing that can separate me from God's love? There's no way this contract can be broken because it wasn't really initiated by me. It was initiated by him. It's sealed by him. It's covered by him. He's the one that raised me from death to life. And, and if I can like learn how to live in that and enjoy that, that's really, so it becomes so much less about my circumstances. And we talked about this a little bit last time. I think that's the problem with a lot of the self-help stuff that's out there is it's all focused on changing your circumstances or trying to, you know, if you do this, you can change, you can change uh, this situation or that situation. You can make more money. You can get to, and I think there's a place for that, but you've got to, you're only going to carry your stuff with you wherever you go. You've got to learn how to say, God, there's some things I can't change right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to believe in very much in, in what you've told me and I'm going to have joy through that. So anyway. Yeah, I mean, I like to quote the same things over and over again, but I think mm-hmm. of that G.K. Chesterton where he talks about for the non-Christian, pain is central and, and joy is peripheral. Like all you know is you're headed for destruction, death. And so you just try to distract yourself with as much, okay, well, let's go to the casinos or let's do that, which are fine, you know, whatever, you know, you're we just, know people that, we know people that do that, you know, some might be, you might room. be surprised at who yeah. we know <laughs> does that. That's the point. But, but you, you have this, uh, this purpose in life is to distract you from what, what's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Whereas he says for the Christian joy is central and pain is peripheral. And that's kind of the point that Peter's talking about is, is, this is real. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's happening to you. It's going to be worse. It's going to get, but the joy that we cling to the, the hope that we have, I think he says that over and over again in, uh, in chapters one and two, the hope cling to the hope that we have, you know, this, this idea that that is worth far more. That's what's central. This stuff's peripheral. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the hope of the cross, the hope of the resurrection, the new life that we get, um, throughout the series, I, I can think of a lot of the uh, illustrations we use. You know, I was, I was thinking of your token analogy where you were talking about at Chuck E. Cheese when you're down to the last token, you know, make it count, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I was thinking of, uh, you know, I had somebody just the other day mention my rant on Superman versus Wolverine. Mm-hmm. I talked about how I hate Superman because he, he's just invulnerable, Im- impervious. He's got all these powers. He's, he's so strong. He doesn't take any courage. But uh, Wolverine takes courage because he he can regenerate. He's not going to die, but he's going to feel every hit. Mm-hmm. He's going to get cut up. He's going to get beat up. And that's kind of like the Christian life. We know we're going to come out the other side. It might hurt, but we know we're going to make it through. And that's that resurrection promise. We're, we have new life. We have all those those things. And we can live in that promise now. Yeah. Good. So it's good stuff. Um Great series. Dave did a great job this mm-hmm. last week um, preaching on it and kind of closing out the series. Uh, but let's talk for a moment. You know, we're on Facebook. Yeah. And, and Facebook right now is, is this month especially is going to be a, a hotbed for political topics and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Tim and I are big fans of uh, Brett McKay, Art of Manliness mm-hmm. podcast. We listen to that. Uh, he did one a while back ago, and I thought it was really interesting where he talked about classical education. And they talked, and your kids have a classical education. Yeah, they go to a charter school not too far from here. They kind of bases it on these three 
uh, principles that uh, that classical education yeah. is built built upon. Why don't you yeah. trivium, right? Mm-hmm. So trivium is the three principles of classical education. Um, and I'm, I'm speaking from what I, I learned, and the first the first principle is grammar, which we think of English grammar, but it's really about the foundations of education, so that you can have like terms. So you're not saying things like, well, how do you define this? No, you have to have, you have to spend time learning the grammar before you can even begin to have the conversation or go any further. In any discipline, whether, I mean, that's like math and science, like what are the facts? Like, what do we know to be true? Yeah. Um, And then how do we have a common language and a common reference point, so to speak? Yeah. I remember I started guitar lessons. I was teaching somebody guitar and I had to go through and go, okay, here's the neck. Mm-hmm. This way's up, this way's down, here's the head, here's the tuners. Because otherwise, we're just kind of like grunting at each other. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you don't you, have a you, way to improve because you don't know the basics of how the, what, what it's called. And yeah, you just got to get the you, rudimentary kind of stuff. You have to have a reference point. Yeah. So that's the first phase. The second phase is critical thinking. And that's where you start gathering data and you start to go deeper into seeing how the terms connect. Mm-hmm. Like logic, basically. Logic. Yeah. So like that might be, in the guitar example, you start putting chords together and mm-hmm. things like that. That's good. Uh, start learning. And you've seen the relationships between chords. Yeah. You know, like why, why is a C related to an A minor? And, you know, what's a, why, is a, why, do you, why a lot of songs are like one, four, five? You know, and those kind of like patterns and yep. relationships. You start to see those things. You start to see those as you explore what's already been known. Right. You're not, you're not creating anything new yet. You're not doing anything and that's kind of foundational uh mathematics you don't you don't make up you you have to learn how the formulas work and all those things and you are solving problems and you're solving problems you're solving problems based on the grammar based on the basics of what you know Mm -hmm. yeah and then the third phase is that's where the rhetoric comes in that's where the argumentation comes in Mm -hmm. so you you don't move to uh forming your own opinion and being able to argue it until you've you've gone from grammar to logic, then to rhetoric. Yeah. So, for example, in my kids' school, that that's kind of how they approach things. So, so they start off, you know, at the bottom with that grammar, and then as they get into like the higher school grades, you know, that's when they they actually have classes that are in that rhetorical um, level. So they're they're they have to you know state their opinion, but they have to build an argument based on everything else because they've spent time learning how to be critical thinkers. And so, yeah, that podcast from on Art of Manliness went through that and it was really a brilliant way to describe it. And it's, it's something that's been around for a long time, but it's, it, it's a, it's a fundamental concept of grammar, critical thinking, and then rhetoric. And it follows like a pathway that makes sense, right? Right. Because what would you have to say if, first of all, you don't even have like terms, right? And what would you have, what opinion could you make if you haven't done the critical thinking, the research, all those things. Now let's tell people why we think that's important. Why I think that's important is we live in an age, and it's, there's going to be some irony here. Yes. But, but, but we live in an age where we circumvent those first two. And we'll see mm-hmm. it this next month. Um, this guy got it right here. You got to listen to You're this. going this to circumvent having like terms and, and researching and really knowing. And we just go straight to opinion all the time. Mm-hmm. Rhetoric. We'll throw questions out there. Hey, what do you guys think about this? Without even asking the question, like, why should we listen to the opinion in the first place? Right. And, and so what, what I want to kind of like put you at ease with as, as things get blasted or, or maybe make you think twice about posting something, 
we, we have to go through those first two phases first. Mm-hmm. And really, there's no point in listening to an argument. You, you wouldn't want to listen. I, I think we were talking earlier, and you were talking about, I could, I could ask Tim here, hey, what do you think of the, the, how do you think the lights were built in here? Or the camera that we're, we're looking at right now, the microphone. You're not an expert in that realm, nor have you done any, you don't, you don't even have the language to speak about it. Right. Uh, it's like, well, there's the wire thingy yeah. and the little plastic doohickey. Give me voltages, give me ohms, give me, you know, you have to have the right terminology, yeah. number one. And, and then you have done zero critical thinking in that, that yeah, you've never thought about realm it of vacuum. So what does it matter what you have to say? See, and then this is, this is the bigger issue. And this is, we're kind of building on an argument, if you can hang with us here. Because as we go into this political season, we, we have people, and it's, I think it's, it's politics, it's everything, but we, we have a cultural value that says at, at the, at truth at its core belongs to me. So what I think and feel about something is true. And so truth does not need to exist independent of me. And, that, and that's, the problem is that is seeped so so um, insidiously inside of our social consciousness that we don't question that anymore. And so the first step is, as you brilliantly connected, is we bypass grammar and we bypass logic and we go straight to rhetoric and we go, well, here's what I think about this. And, And it's almost like, because you think about it, because you feel a certain way about it, that must mean that we have to give gravity to it or we have to consider it as opposed to saying, wait a second, what, what knowledge background do you have on this? What have you read? How have you studied? What critical thinking process have you undertaken to really put you in a place where you can have credibility about this. So going back to the, the camera illustration, like I can say, well, you know, here's how I feel a camera, here's how I think the camera is built. And I will get very um, insulted if someone goes, well, what do you know about cameras? Well, it doesn't matter. It's my opinion. Don't you value my opinion? I'm a human being. I'm important. My opinion on the camera, you know, it's just as valid as your opinion. But it's not. It's <laughs> not. That's the, it's like, you just want to bet your, it's not as important because I can say, well, I can tell you how I think the camera is built, but you can say, yeah, fine. But guess what? I have a guy who built the camera and this is what he tells me about what he knows to be true. And therefore, this is what I think about the camera based on the research and the information that I've gotten. And you can't at that point weigh those two opinions with the same weight. And it, it is, and so people have 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 basically aligned their their uh, their sense of self worth and their ability to be offended based on how someone will take their opinion seriously, whether or not it's actually worthy to be taken seriously. Yeah. And I think with social media, what what what's important is, you know, just because someone says, well, you know, what do you think about this? And someone, well, obviously. You know what, and we we talked specifically about some theological things, or some biblical, or some historical things, and people feel like they they, they can say these things, and their their opinion deserves consideration simply because it's their opinion, and and that's fine. But but what happens? We lose the ability to actually have a constructive conversation, and this reveals, and I think you're pointing out this is really good. This reveals why there are so many fights on Facebook. Yeah. 
Because no one's using like terms. No one's bothering to say, okay, what are the ground rules here? What do we collectively know to be true? And then how do we come to a a conclusion, not an agreement, but at least a conclusion that that uh that is reasonable or where 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 see like here's the thing where it should go like i want to be able to look at someone for example who's voting for another uh, political party and say listen i i would not vote the way you're voting but i can understand why you would vote that way yeah we don't have that right now no you have for for one of the first times ever i mean we've we've had and i'm talking like i'm an old soul that's been through several you know, yeah, you're like, over 30. Yeah, I'm over 30. So I've seen a few. And, um, the young people don't listen to him. He's over 30. He doesn't yeah, know anything. I don't know anything. But you have, for kind of the first time, where people aren't voting for somebody, their vote, their vote is literally against somebody else. Sure. And that has been the marketing of the campaign even. Mm-hmm. So you have people who don't even know the stance on either side of what the person, they just know what they don't like over here. And, and critical thinking, you have to weigh and go, okay, because probably when, we, when it gets down to it, brass tacks, right? Like on either side, there's nobody that agrees with you 100%. Mm-hmm. So you do, first you, get, you have the grammar, you, you understand the terms that, of what's being talked about. You have to do a little research. You have to do a little learning there. You have to learn what, what tax, tax things mean or when we say economy, what they're talking about and things like that. Then you actually have to, do the critical thinking and learn what they're talking about. What are their arguments? Yeah. Then you go to forming your opinion. Right. You can form your opinion. And by the way, you can express your opinion. There's, I mean, there, no one's saying that you aren't allowed to express your opinion or you shouldn't express your opinion. But Just you're don't not, move straight there. But you're, <laughs> And you're not helping the situation because you're coming from your own little perch and then you're expecting everybody... To, to see things from the way that you see them. And I'm just saying, like, we, like we talked to our staff today about, about um, you know, we have a social media policy. And, and you know, you, if, you, if you write things on social media um, that are blatantly against what we, you know, th- what, what our policy is, it can cost you your job. Because we don't want people to think that, um, that, that you know, because you, you represent us. That's the thing. And so social media is very important, but I think for everybody outside of that too, to understand that what, what is my, if I'm angry about something, you're not, you're never going to get anywhere. Like I, I know for me, when I'm at the intersection and one of the things that I hate is, and I, for some reason people do this in Arizona all the time. And so I will mention this is when the light turns green and you want to make a left turn, people will stay at the crosswalk and they won't go out into the intersection and they think it's safer. Like they think that people coming the other way are going to hit them or something. And what they don't realize it's more dangerous, not always more dangerous because you have to travel longer through the intersection, but then you also really hose the people behind you because they can't get out. So when I'm in these situations, there's times that I want to go on Facebook and go, you know what? Um, People need to not go out or to not stay behind the crosswalk. I want to say that to get back at the guy in front of me. But the guy in front of me is never going to see that. He's never going to know. So what am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm creating noise and I'm, and I'm emoting and it's not doing any good for anybody. And then what's going to happen is someone's going to take that and comment and make something and just going to be this meaningless, ridiculous argument. And we are losing in those environments, it's not social media. It's how we use the medium itself. Yep. We're losing that ability to say, okay, wait, time out. Can we all agree that what we'd like to do is pursue truth? But here's the problem. I'll go back to it, Gabe. When you, when you cross over that line where I become the ultimate source of truth, 
then we no longer have an ability to have an objective thing that's outside of us and we yeah. can't agree on anything anymore because, well, you might have your truth, I have my truth. We don't have a reference point anymore. And that does begin to unravel the fabric of the culture. Yeah, not even... A, yeah, and that's that's really, if we want to go like through the history of philosophy, that's where we moved. That's what postmodernism is. It started from literary criticism, the idea that words don't mean what they mean anymore. Right. And so when you get rid of that grammar, we think of grammar about being English. It's really about terminology and foundations, right? That's, yeah. that's kind of the idea. And, and if we don't have a common language, there's no point in talking anymore. No. So you have to have defined just terms. Just emoting. You're just emoting. And you're, so, so that's why those steps are there. Because you're right. People get really angry. And you'll see this. You'll probably see this over the next month. People defriending people. People blasting yeah. things. And the conversation won't go too far. You know, like having an argument on Facebook is, is very fruitless. It's, it's a fruitless endeavor. But you'll start to see once the conversation goes to name-calling, it's because there is no longer a capacity. Capacity of uh, has been exhausted of what they have to say. Yeah. So they can't. They can no longer attack the argument because they they don't have any any critical thinking done or grammar done, and their opinion is just opinion at this point. It's just rhetoric. So now I've got to move to insulting the person because I can't challenge the right. content. Right. Right. I've got and to go after the ad hominem attack. And I think, so one of the things to do, I think to help, this is why we're having this conversation, is when you go on social media, is, is, is say, okay, is this person coming from a place of grammar and logic, <laughs> you know, and applying critical thinking, or are they just, are, are they just throwing something out there, and then am I going to get baited? Because I got to tell you, for me, I, I've really tried to stay, because it's not because I'm worried about what people think. I mean, that's part of it. I don't want to come off like, an, like a moron as the pastor of Compass Church and have people go, man, this guy is really angry about this subject or that subject. I do bite my tongue a lot because I'm like, Ugh, see stuff, and I just want to just Ugh, get back. But the other thing is, it's, it's a matter of time. It's where do you put your time? And I'm going, mm. I'm going to get involved in a, in a potentially three-hour, I mean, intermittently, like constantly checking, you know, while I'm driving, did they reply yet? Did they reply yet? And, and getting into a, an argument with somebody who might live in another state or someone I don't even talk to or someone I don't have any real relationship with over an issue where we don't even have like terms or a common understanding. We're just going back and forth with one-liners. And the problem is it does degrade. It degrades the mind and it degrades the soul because it teaches you not to rely on things that are actually true anymore and you don't go to those sources and we you know we talked about this too with scripture i think it's an important segue to talk real briefly about that because people will say well you know you can't really trust the bible and it's a classic thing well you can't trust the bible is is that based on any grammar or any logic most of the time, it's no. Do you, do you, have you, has anyone, if there's a person say, well, you know, the Bible has errors. I'm sure the Bible is copied, you know, and mis, miscopied. And we know there's, there's all these, you know, a copy of a copy of a copy isn't very reliable. Okay, have you ever read a book on how the Bible was copied? Have you ever read a book on, on how it was transmitted? Have you ever read a book on, on the identification of, of how errors were made and what they did to correct them? Have you ever read a book on, on the amount of manuscripts we have, how they've been grouped, how they've been categorized, and how they've been compared against one another? And then they go through the Greek text, for example, and are able to identify variances, rank them, rate them, and then give you the, the different um, options. Right. 
and then you and then and then grade them based on how likely it is to be this or that have you know there's no thought to there's no there's just an assumption and then if you challenge that assumption well there's not really a desire it's just basically saying well i don't want to trust the bible so i'm just going to pretend that i know and it goes back to the camera thing so it's it's but again what starts it is this idea that my opinion is so important and it, it, is, it is as weighty as yours, even though you, so for example, like an auto mechanic. Yeah. You know, actually, this is, this is the best one. This is funny. <laughs> so a year ago, my son got his appendix out, right? And so how does he, when he gets his appendix out, he, he's like, you know, he's like, oh, I got this pain, right? And I'm thinking, man, I don't want it to be as a pain. I don't want to do this whole thing and in the hospital. So I, so I told him, because he was working out and stuff. I think he was getting involved in soccer. He was on the soccer team. Yeah. And, I, and I know they do a lot of, like, you know, running and stuff. And I said, son, I don't think it's your appendix. I think it's your psoas muscle. Because your psoas muscle is kind of like, right? And I, you know, so you have your doctorate. Right, I have my doctorate, right? So I'm like, in well, it's your- it's Church your, leadership. Yeah, it's your, it's, right. <laughs> Doesn't matter, it's a doctorate. Um, so, so I'm like, it's just, I'm like, dude, it's your psoas muscle. And he goes, I don't know. So I said, I bet you 10 bucks. So finally, I mean, he's in an intense pain and I'm like, well, just stretch it out. Right. Well, we go to the hospital and I'm going, and the doctor comes in. And I think, I think I, and I said to the doctor, I go, I think it's a psoas. And the doctor looks at me like, who are you? What do you know? Like, why would I even, why, why would I even listen to what you're saying? Dr. Tim Jacobs. I'm Dr. Tim Jacobs. And, and so as it turns out, it is, happens to be his appendix. They do emergency surgery and then, you know, within 24 hours and he's back home and everything else. And to this day, it's a joke in our family. Whenever there's like a pain, it's like, oh, I think it's your psoas muscle. But I was coming from a position of total ignorance. Actually, not complete ignorance. It was, it was almost worse than total ignorance because I had a little bit of knowledge from a previous experience. That you were applying broadly. That I was applying broadly <laughs> to something that I knew absolutely nothing really yeah. about. And that's what a lot of people do. They go, well, I have this limited piece of experience and I want to be right. So I'm going to take that and apply that. This has actually turned out really good. This yeah. is a good podcast, isn't it? Well, you know, you know what too. It's there's nothing wrong with forming an opinion before you know everything, but you have to make sure it's understood that it is an opinion that you don't have a whole lot of grammar or logic put behind. It's okay if you need to take a stance. Right. Hey, I, I think the Cardinals are the best team in football. That's you fine. You know what? Because. I haven't put a lot of. But let me be honest. I don't watch a lot of football. I don't do. So yeah. it's based in nothing, but that's, but it's there. There's my opinion. And that's, that's not a terrible thing to do, but you have to approach it like that. But that's different than saying, I like the Cardinals. Yeah. You can like the Cardinals. They can be the worst team ever. Yeah. Or like you can like the 49ers and they can be the worst team ever. And you can, you know, and that's, nobody cares about that. But when you're trying to make a propositional statement or a statement of fact, so anyway, we've, we've belabored that I think enough, but I think it's important because it helps people think, I go, wait a second. Are we getting caught up in, in these arguments? And again, what it says in 2 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, avoid foolish controversies. Just avoid foolish controversies. And I got to tell you, 98% of stuff out there that you can waste massive amounts of time that you cannot get back are foolish controversies. And not because the subject itself is foolish, but because the medium is foolish. The people are, the, you're not gonna, there's no reason to argue with, you know, the guy that you went to high school with about something you're never gonna, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I see people get caught up in this stuff and we were just talking about that earlier and wanting to get, so anyway, we gotta keep, we gotta get moving. So 
you know, here we are. We're in the yeah. political season. You're going to see a ton of this kind of happening. Um, I really appreciate, you know, I've got some some people that are around me that have very different political views. And that's an area where I go, you know what? I don't have the best grammar and logic in this area. I have my opinion based on limited grammar. But I'll talk to people who think very differently that have some more. And, and I have to gra- grapple with that. And I actually have to weigh their opinion mm-hmm. pretty heavy because I know that they've researched more. And that's going to happen as we kind of go through this. This You know, you, you're going to be asked for your opinion, your vote. You know, you have to kind of approach it with this this line of logic, which brings us into our next series, which yes. there is there is a feeling of, you know, like what's going to happen? Who's going to be in charge? Yeah. Is the world going to end? <laughs> you know, right. if if X or Y gets in the office, it doesn't look good. Let's vote for <laughs> Z or one. You know, it's not even Z. in the alphabet. Yeah. No. So yeah. the uh, <laughs> So here we are, and we're starting a new series. And what's the title of the series? It's called Jesus 2016. And it's basically, uh, you know what? You can get all wrapped up in this whole thing. And I, listen, I believe in voting. I believe in following politics. I watched the debate last night. I can give you my opinion based on grammar and logic because I actually watched the whole thing and I had some ideas. But um, <laughs> rather than getting so wrapped up and letting it control your emotions and control your idea of the future and control your sense of well-being and everything else, we're going to look at basically what I would call the, the, the gospel platform, the, the gospel party platform. What, what is the, in other words, like if, if Jesus was, was running, um, what would his platform be? What would, and, and how can I be more absorbed with, and not if Jesus was running, because we know he's not running for president, but, but, but in other words, who is going to be the leader of my life? Who is going to be the Lord of my life? Who is going to be the one who dictates my, uh, my whole being and and so we know that the Bible very talks very uh, very clearly about the kingdom of God breaking through being the real source of authority in a person's life more so than national leaders right. you know more so than in any other country or any other kind of geographic boundary that people could draw on a map somewhere the kingdom of God and so we want to be obsessed about that we want to understand that because that's where history is headed and the leader of that movement is Jesus and so it's, it's going to be really fascinating because we're going to talk about things that we actually should be obsessed and passionate and completely jazzed about I'm not saying that we shouldn't be obsessed or at least passionate about politics there's people that are involved in it. I think it's great. If I wasn't doing ministry, I'd be very tempted to go into that line of work myself because I love the I love the the arguments and I love all that kind of stuff. But it cannot be the number one. It cannot be a god. It cannot be the idol. And a lot of people are making that. So we're gonna have an awesome time looking at what Jesus Himself said about authority and about the kingdom and about what where the arc of human history is going. So it's gonna be great. It's really you know it's cool about the Gospels too. Is the setting is a hotbed of political uh, upheaval upheaval and scarcity and all this i mean there were people that were like i think this guy's going to take over and uh and and jesus came to bring about a kingdom that was bigger than any government system Mm -hmm. his kingdom is not of this world it's not from this world it's different and it has but it does have implications for this world yeah and uh, that's where we, you know, we don't just leave it at, oh, it's just different. And, and one, but it actually does have implications for you and me. You know, is the sky going to fall? Uh, my Bible tells me no. You know, mm-hmm. God's got things under control. And there's ways we can pursue him and trust him. And, and the kingdom of God is, is a really cool thing. You know, I, I do the Lord's Prayer with uh, my six-year-old pretty frequently, about every night or so. And, and that line in there, that kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth mm-hmm. as it is in heaven. And it's not just in heaven as it is in heaven, and we'll just kind of mm-hmm. wait out the clock here. 
But right. the idea is that the kingdom has implications for here and now. It's 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 both now and later. And, and what does that mean for us? So it's just going to be it's great. It's going to be a good yeah. series. Yeah. So that's that's what we got on the horizon. We also it's we're in October already. So I want to hit real briefly. We have Trunk or Treat coming up, mm-hmm. which is our hugest outreach. I think we had like 2,200 people here yeah. last year. It was a zoo. It was awesome. It was insane, and uh, it's a lot of fun. We're, we got a DJ here, bouncers, food trucks, and tons and tons of candy. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're listening and you go to Compass, here's what we expect. We expect you to come, and we need volunteers. We need trunks. We need people to serve. And invite people. I mean, this and is invite, like yeah, invite people your whole come, neighborhood. Invite them because this is the most low. I don't know what you. What's what's the word I'm thinking? Of? Like low threshold. You're not. You're, there's no hoops. You're asking anyone to jump through. It's not like they have to come to a service, which even even that is not very hard. You know, it's not like we sit there and do all this crazy stuff. But it's 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 show up. Your kids get some candy. But what it does is the reason we do it because we've been doing it for for a while now, and I think it's starting to become known around the local community. It's like one of the places to go. We want people. We want the community to know. You're welcome here, yeah. and we will do whatever it takes to get you here. We want you to know that we exist. We want you to know that we're here. We want you to know that we're fun people, that we can relate to you, that, that, we, that we want to serve you in a sense by giving your, your little kid a fun experience and, you know, making Halloween a win for you, you know? Yeah. And so um, that's why we're, we're fired up about that, and, um, and it has grown. I will tell you, I think we're, I mean, honestly, it's kind of sad, but we don't know how many more people we can put on this campus because you have that many thousands of people, you know, a couple thousand people, and it starts to get pretty pretty crazy but it's going to be great yeah yeah it's going to be great if you want to volunteer for that uh you can either go to our connection point this uh, weekend during the services definitely sign up there or you can go on our website compasschurchaz.com and you can sign up there both for uh trunks if you want to decorate a trunk and hand out candy to kids or you want to uh volunteer help out with parking help out with the bouncers set up all that good stuff so, and that's about all we got. We got some people on here. Oh, just some great conversation. What if Jesus ran for president? Would he win? Oh, look at this thing here. I just have to do this really quick. Yeah, yeah, we got to show this off. You know, I put that belt on Andre uh, this weekend. He didn't quite know what to do. If you, if you get the best trunk, you get to wear the belt like me. Yeah. I've never won it, but this is how it would look, except not quite as good because yeah. it would be on you and not me. Not him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining uh, and tuning in. We will see you in two what weeks. What was the question? What was the question? We had a question. What if Jesus ran? I think that's what W I J R F P. That'd be a really long uh, bracelet there. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know. He would smoke everyone in the debates. That's for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, he was good at that. Yeah, but yeah. I don't. Yeah. Anyway, that's good though. I don't think he ever would run for president because he had the opportunity and he didn't. Well, why would you like give up the world to? You know what I mean? Like he's ruler of the world. Yeah. So. It's kind of a lower office yeah, for him. Yeah, it would be kind of a step down. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next time on the Green Room Podcast, uh, 14 days from today. Tell your friends, subscribe in, and uh, we'll see you next time. Next time. Thanks.